0: Today, this is going to come as a shock probably, but the message is going to be about the resurrection of Jesus. Right. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that that doesn't come as a surprise or a shock. You've read it at the end of the book. He's alive. I just, just want to say. Uh, but when we come to church on Easter Sunday, we talk about how Jesus took all of the sin of the world. We were, we were separated from God because of things that we'd done. Humanity separated from God and facing an imminent and permanent death. And we couldn't pay that back, right? So if we're talking about resurrection stories, let's, let's, let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about how we owed a debt that we could not pay. And so Jesus, fully God, said, I'll do this. And he came down to earth and he became fully a human being. And he lived a perfect life. He lived a sinless life so that he could be that spotless Lamb of God to take on all of the sins. Everything that we had ever done, everything we would ever do, every way in which we had fallen short of what God had planned for us, every way in which we had turned our back on him and said, no, I don't need you, God. I'm going to walk my own way. Jesus took all of that transgression upon himself. And as we talked about just two days ago on Good Friday, he suffered, he was crucified, he died, he was buried, and he rose again. On the third day, he rose again. And we're gonna talk a little bit about what that resurrection means, not just for one particular guy in the Bible, but what it means for you and me as well. All right? So let's get right to it. The resurrection is the central miracle that is absolutely the foundation of our faith. It gives meaning and it gives power to our lives as people who follow Jesus. It, if, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, then what are we hinging our faith on? How can we say we've overcome? We're still subject to the world and to the ways of sin and to the death that is the consequence of it. But Jesus did rise from the dead. And that's where all of our hope is placed. That's what gives us hope and perspective in the face of everything that life presents us with. The loss of loved ones, the abuse suffered at the hands of other people, the addictions and the patterns that we get into that we can't seem to break out of, right? And it's the resurrection of Jesus knowing that there's a way, knowing that it can be overcome because he overcame it that gives the believer perspective that gives the believer hope when everything around you is trying to tell you it's hopeless we hinge our hope on that i put my faith in jesus he's never let me down why would he fail now he won't he won't he won't won't. and i just want to say that i'm speaking today whenever i come to speak i'm not here to convince anybody of anything I'm not in the, in the business of trying to change somebody's mind or making you adopt an opinion uh, that you didn't have when you came in. I'm not here to try to make anybody feel something emotionally so that you make a decision you weren't. I, that's, that's not what I'm doing. What I want to do is I want to share to you the truth that the scripture tells us and the truth that I know from my own life and just offer that up, okay? And it's, that's exactly what Paul actually was doing when he was writing to the Corinthians. We're going to take a look at 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 8. And Paul's writing to the Corinthians, I passed on to you what what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried. He was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve and after that he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. And then he was seen by James, and later by all the apostles, and last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. Now why is Paul saying that, as though I had been born at the wrong time? In case you don't know, it's because he's writing this about it's anywhere between 5 to 15 years after these events occurred. And so, He's telling of some historical events from the life of Jesus. He's telling us of the crucifixion. He's telling us of the burial. He's telling us of the resurrection and then of the 40 days or so after the resurrection where Jesus was just walking around talking with people like as a resurrected being just meeting with friends talking with family being an encouragement showing them that everything that he had told them about was real. I I guys. I died. Guys. I rose from the dead. Here, you can, put your, you can put your finger right through the hole in my hand if you want, in case you're doubting. So 40 days, he was walking around, and then he ascended. And somewhere between five to 15 years later is when Paul, who at the time was called Saul, is when he saw Jesus. So how does that happen? How does that happen? Um... We went very briefly, just a moment ago, into Jesus' resurrection story. All the sin in the world goes on him. He's crucified, he died, buried, rises again, and he's ascended, and he's seated now at the right hand of the Father. And that resurrection story makes Paul's resurrection story possible. So let's take a look at this. Saul, at the time, was a persecutor and a punisher and a torturer of followers of Jesus. You were expecting a really happy Easter message, weren't you? I'm so sorry to disappoint. It gets better. It gets better. Just, Just stick with me on this. So he was a persecutor, a punisher, and a torturer of Christians. And he was on his way to Damascus to do just that. His whole life had been focused with the purpose of, I'm going to prove these people wrong. I'm going to punish them for the way that they believe. I'm going to judge them, and I'm going to exact my judgments on them. That's what I live for. And then he meets Jesus, who's in the spirit. He meets the spirit of Jesus on the road to Damascus, and Jesus begins to call him out on what he's allowed his life to become. So we're in Acts 22, verses 6 through 10. Paul writes, as I was on the road, approaching Damascus about noon, a very bright light from heaven suddenly shone down on me. I fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the Nazarene, the one you are persecuting. So the people with me saw the light, but they didn't understand the voice that was speaking to me. And so I asked, well, what should i do lord his life's course had been set it was filled with pain and suffering filled with judgment punishment and this is this is his resurrection story he was that he meets jesus and now he's changed things are different from that first moment in the presence of jesus paul sees a lot of things change in his life he sees his profession change drastically He sees his life mission change. He sees his purpose change. But all of those things are less important than the real change that happened, which is in his heart and in his mind. Heart came first. You can change your mind and still have your heart bitter towards God. Mind can be changed back. But if your heart changes, everything else gets affected, right? All the issues of life spring from the heart. And so Saul meets Jesus on the road to go and punish people. Jesus says, why? Just ask him a simple question. Why? I'm the one you're persecuting. He discovers really quickly that the life that he was living was not the life that God wanted for him, which brings us to actually what is the main point that I want to get across today. It's the presence of Jesus that makes new life possible. It's the presence of Jesus that makes new life possible. Anybody else in here besides me really like, like those HGTV renovation shows? It's a guilty pleasure, I admit. I can sit and watch Rock the Block and Fixer Upper and Restoring Galveston and all, all of these things. I like watching home stuff, you know, because these people go in, sometimes they're really really terrible places, really awful homes, really run down, really ugly. And they'll walk in and go, oh, my gosh, look at what we could do with this place. I'm seeing something. And they're seeing things that everybody else has passed by. Like the value of this house has gone down because it's just ugly. It's beyond repair is how most people think. But these designers, they'll walk by and they'll go, oh, no, 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 no. I see the gold that's inside there. I see it. And we all love a good renovation story. We all love a good restoration. We all love somebody seeing something and taking something that was broken and fixing it up and making it brand new. That shows me that our heart is in tune with God's heart because that's what he loves. But God doesn't necessarily deal in houses. He deals in people. He deals in hearts. And it's in the presence of Jesus that that restoration becomes possible. It's in the presence of Jesus that new life becomes possible. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And when Jesus died and rose again, death is no longer an issue. It's no longer a factor for him. He wants to share that resurrection life with us. He wants to make that available to us. He wants to offer that to us and say, is there something in your life that needs resurrecting? Is there some dream that died that you think, I've given up on that? Is there some part of your heart that feels, I just feel disconnected from God. I feel disconnected from people. I don't know who I am. I'm searching for identity. I'm searching for meaning. I'm searching for purpose. If that's you at all, then I'm so glad you're here this morning because I'm supposed to tell you that all things are possible with Jesus, and in Him, there is the possibility for new life. New life. And it's not just for, you know, it's not just that pie in the sky, someday up yonder kind of thing. It's not just you die, and then you have new life. It's, no, it's new life now. It's new life now. The victory of Jesus is for you, not just in the afterlife, but in the current life. You can walk more victoriously than you're walking now. You can do the things that God says you can do, and you can become the things that he created you to become because of the resurrection and the presence of Jesus. Let's look again. Paul wrote a lot to the Corinthians. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Now, Paul knows what he's talking about when he writes this. When he's writing this, if anyone is in Christ, he's thinking about himself. And he's thinking about a life that was governed by hatred and judgment and pride and a need to be right and to make others suffer if they didn't agree with him. And that is gone. And he's no longer Saul. Now he's Paul. Now he's a father of the faith. Now instead of a life fueled by hatred, it's fueled by love and a passion to see other people released into freedom and a passion to build upon the foundation that Jesus established in his heart when they met on that road. He knows what he's talking about when he says the the old is gone, the new has come. But he's just echoing something that Jesus is saying. If we look to Revelation 21.5, Jesus ascended. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. I make all things new. And he does. He does. This this community, this One Chapel Liberty Hill community, is formed on this belief that Jesus makes all things new. That as we lift him up, he builds the church. As we lift him up, he restores hearts. He he brings the lonely into families. He breathes dead dreams back to life, and he takes things that were just sort of floating out there in the ether that we thought, could this even be? And he speaks them into existence and makes them real. He makes things happen. He restores our hope. He restores our joy. But it's our response that allows him to share his resurrection life with us. Just because resurrection life is available, just because Jesus did all of these things, you see it, I see it, not everybody is walking in the life that God planned for them. Because he's not going to force you to, he's not going to make you. He's going to offer it. He's going to knock at the door, and he's going to say, Who's, who's willing? Who would like this? And if that's you, then you respond. just because new life is possible doesn't mean that we experience it. Jesus gave everything so that we could have new life in him. But we have to make a choice. We have to make a move. We have to respond. We have to do something. In the face of such great love, such great sacrifice, such a great offer, it demands a response. It deserves a response. Whether that's yes or no, it deserves an answer. And and I think that sometimes the, the thing that's holding us back is the thing that we've been holding on to that we just feel secure with, the thing that we're holding on to that has become our identity, the thing that we're holding on to that if we let it go, I don't know who I'd be. There are things that rival Jesus for the affection and the devotion of our hearts, I mean, for, we'll just name some of them. For some of us, it's, it's, it's career. For some of us, it's relationships. Sometimes bad relationships that we're stuck in. We get stuck in patterns. For some of us, it's pride. I don't want to give up because I don't want to be vulnerable. If I surrender to Jesus, it means that I'm not good enough to make it on my own, and I want to make it on my own because that's, I take pride in that. That's how Saul felt. That's how we feel sometimes. I feel like I made it a down message again. It's going to get happier. Trust me. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. Whether we've had a lifetime of encounters with Jesus or whether you are just like Saul and you just might be seeing him in the spirit for the very first time today. It's not, this isn't just a message for someone who's never met Jesus before. This is a message for those of us who have been walking with him for years because there's always something new he wants us to walk into. There's always something that we've been hesitant to let go of, but it's tethering us. It's tying us down. And if we would just let go and trust, we'd be free to walk into the new thing. So this isn't just for somebody who's not a believer yet. This is for all of you believers in here as well to move into what can be, you have to let go of what was. You just have to. You don't have enough hands. (laughs) You just don't. You can only grip on to like maybe one, maybe two things at a time. Unless it's groceries, then you can grab like eight of those plastic bags and then move in. But eventually you got to let go if you want to like open the door, right? It's It's just the way it is. And this is what God was speaking to the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 43. He said, Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. Don't live there. Don't live there. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and I'm making streams in the wasteland. I love this question that God asks Isaiah. Do you not perceive it? God is doing things in his midst. God is doing things right in front of him. But the fact that he asked, Don't you perceive it? makes me realize that it's possible that God could be doing something in my life and I didn't even notice. He's asking, Do you not perceive it? Here's what I'm doing. Whether you you recognize it or not, God says to all of us right now, Here's what I'm doing. I'm making a way in the wilderness. I'm making streams in the wasteland. Think about the areas in your life that you would describe as wilderness and wasteland. Do you know that God's already at work in those places in your life? He's moving. He's at work, right? And he's asking, do you not perceive it? Open up your eyes. Open up your hearts. Perceive what I'm doing for you. All of us want to release from the old stuff. We want want that house renovated, right? We all want to walk in hope and joy and into a place of purpose and vision. We want to live life on purpose, not by accident. We want to live life intentionally, not accidentally. We want to live knowing what we stand on and knowing where we're going and knowing that we're covered and knowing that it's safe. Jesus wants that for us. We long for resurrection and restoration. And here's the simple fact. Without a death, there can be no resurrection. By definition, if something's going to be resurrected, it's got to die first. We talked about Jesus' story, and Jesus surrendered his body in death. But he also surrendered his will. In the garden, he's talking to his father, and he's saying, Dad, if there's any other way that we could do this, I would take that. This would be great. He says, if... if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. That's what he tells him. He waits a second, and he realizes what the will of the Father is, and he resolves and says, Nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. He sacrificed his own will, he put to death his own desire to make his own way. We see this on the Damascus Road with Paul, or Saul. As he's on his way to go and inflict some pain. And we saw that just a moment ago, how the spirit of Jesus comes to him and says, Why, what are you doing? Why are you persecuting me? What's going on in your life? And Paul asked him a really simple but incredibly powerful question. In Acts 22.10, he said, what should I do? This made sense to me, but now it doesn't make sense. What should I do? And that's actually the question that we need to ask the Lord today. It's it's a question that represents a surrendering. For for Paul, it represents a surrendering and a death of his ideologies, a death of the, the things that he's hung his whole life on, a death of his status in his community that he's accepted and revered in, a death of everything that he knows to be true in his life. He's laying that all down. He gave it all up. And God said, okay, I'm going to make you a father of the faith. I'm going to to make sure that your words live on so that 2,000 years from now in Liberty Hill, somebody can share them with some people coming into church on an Easter Sunday. It's amazing. This lives on. The things that Saul was doing were going to end with Saul. The things that God did in Paul we're still talking about today. So each of us, if we want to step into something new, we're going to have to let go of something old. We're going to have to let go of the stuff that we've been holding on to. And when I'm mentioning this right now, you probably know, you probably have an idea in your mind, in your heart, what that thing is. And so, again, I'm not here to convince anybody of anything. I'm not here to change anyone's mind. I'm only here to do what Paul was doing with the Corinthians, I'm only here to pass on to you what what I felt like the Lord was telling me was most important to share today and what was also passed on to me and has resulted in victory in my life. And I couldn't let today go by without passing that on to you. It's the presence of Jesus that makes new life possible. It's our response to him that determines whether he gets to share that resurrection life with us.